You're listening to Fascinating Women with Mark Laurie. And now, Mark Laurie. Okay, I have one of the most eclectic women with me here today. We go back uh, probably over 10 years by now. Uh, she has a fascinating, she fits our title, Fascinating Woman. She is all of that. When we get together to talk, it ranges the whole, the whole gamut of things. Aliens usually get involved, but that's always in humor. So this is Emily. And I always mispronounce your last name, Emily, so try that. Oh, it's Subkovitz. Subkovitz, there we go. I just know her as Emily. So, Emily, I'm going to just quickly go with some highlights, because you're a... I always think, because I'm so old, you're like a young mother. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, I'll be young forever. I'll take it. <laughs> That's right, you kind of go for it. So, but you've had... You've had a very interesting life. Like, it's not... You sort of... I don't know how you describe it, up from the wrong side of the tracks... <laughs> I'm wrong on the right side. So, I mean, right. in the end, it all worked, it worked out. out. Yeah, it's kind of it's well. been a learning opportunity, mm -hmm. lots of them, yeah. and I'm sure I've blessed my parents with adversity. Um. <laughs> yes, it's uh, you get the, you get the parents get the children they deserve. I'm told, <laughs> which I know a bit about your children, so that explains a lot. <laughs> uh, and so Emily's got a family with two two young daughters who are delightful. I just Amara, I just think is the. Is the wild? I mean, I love them both, but but Amara is, is like this rebellious warrior. I think she's a video game by herself. Oh, <laughs> so she, she's so that's how he's here. But what I like to do is start off, give some highlights of your life that you think are interesting. Like say four things in your life that go these these made my life interesting, made my life turn a certain way. Ooh, four things. Um. So I grew up heavily mm -hmm. religious. My, okay. my backbone was heavily indoctrinated in religion. Um, then I chose to go off on my own at a fairly crisp age, <laughs> fairly fresh from the package, um, and uh, popped out babies almost right away, mm -hmm. and then went and decided I had to make life work. So I became a mechanic. Mm -hmm. And everything has been um, this amazing kinetic energy ball that's just kind of moved forward from there. <laughs> but when you took mechanics, you went into this. Let's go back a little. So, did you take? Were you a mechanic before you had kids and got married, or that happened afterwards? That happened afterwards. Okay. Yeah, I um, so met my husband, bludgeoned him into marrying me, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, from there. He decided he was going to go to university, mm -hmm. and that was, I met the smartest man I possibly could, <laughs> and then I conned him into thinking that I was intelligent, and uh, he wanted to go to university. He wanted to pursue bettering himself, and that was my dream for him. I mm -hmm. wanted him to be the brightest, shiniest star he could be. So I now had to, as a junior high dropout, slash high school dropout, no education, um, kind of thought, was kind of raised with the concept that my entire worth was to pop out babies and go be a stay-at-home mom. And now I was in this position where I had to reframe that mm -hmm. thought process. And um, I looked at it all. I went and got my GED, and I started so turning GED? wrenches. That's a general education diploma. Okay. It's a, so your dropout, did you drop out like grade 12, grade 7, grade 4? So I dropped out in the middle of grade 8, mm -hmm. and then um, went back for some courses on my own in grade 9, mm -hmm. and then went like 
pretty much didn't really complete, but they won't let you fail. (laughs) (laughs) So I went back again in high school for about a half a year in grade 10 and Mm -hmm. did like a half a semester in grade 11 and then just didn't go back at all. So (laughs) I was nowhere near complete, Mm -hmm. but uh, we did figure it out. (laughs) So so did you drop out then got married or there's a period of time that you were just in the world? Yeah, um, I left home, I dropped out, I was on my own, I was working, I was sending money home to help out with my family, mm-hmm. I, was, I was doing what I considered adulting, and then uh, I met this fantastic man, and we've been married for almost 20 years now. It's incredible. So before, <laughs> I know, today's my 44th anniversary. I know, congratulations, Mark. But before you got married and found that shiny Bobble. star, Bobble... Um, how did you see the world at that point? Um, I knew I wanted more. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted better. But I kind of didn't think I was going to go anywhere. Right. I knew I wanted things. And I knew um, I wanted to pursue greatness. And I wanted to do it in some way. Mm-hmm. But I had no concept on what that was or where I was going or how I was going to go about it. And a lot of me figured I'd be dead by, like, 21, kind of, because it was such a rebellious streak that had happened that uh, I didn't think I'd make it very long on okay. my own. So did this suddenly arrive that, that you're going to be destined for greatness, or is this something that kind of evolved up? It evolved up. It mm-hmm. really started happening. Sorry. Um, it's okay. She's thinking hard right now. I'm just trying to... <laughs> It's hurting her face. Oh. She's thinking so hard. I don't know that I want to go into this. Really? That's fine. Because <laughs> so, that all came from, like, my mom beat the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. And, like, she... Beat us good. <laughs> so it came from a pretty dark place. Yeah, it comes yeah. from it comes from a yeah. very very dark place. Mm-hmm. It came from screw you, mm-hmm. hippie. I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do better. I want right. more. And it was very angry mm-hmm. and very um, very hurt. And so, but out of that, you've got this no idea what more is. I'm guessing. I'm guessing it's just I'm destined for greatness, which I also see your kids have that same. Same thing about them. I think I, Amara will always be a video game girl to me. Like she's got that. She'll be. She's. If she was in Star Wars. She'd be the rebellion. <laughs> she is the rebellion. <laughs> yeah, she is. Um, so, so you got now. You just didn't get a regular mechanic thing. That's what I love about you. You. It was like heavy duty mechanic, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, was heavy a, duty diesel mechanics. Well, I actually ended up with an automotive journeymanship. Right. Um, but I went and I got it by doing heavy duty diesel mechanics. I was right. working on school buses and semi trucks mm-hmm. and all of that. But I had started um, in this apprenticeship for automotive. Right. And I just finished that ticket doing these massive engines <laughs> and stuff. So it was kind of contradictory because mm-hmm. I got a ticket doing stuff I'd never done but I have all this diesel experience and these <laughs> massive trucks, and it's been it's been amazing. Now, back then, because I, I met you about that point, I don't know how long you've been doing the diesel stuff when I first met you. About eight years. About eight years? Yeah, okay. six to eight years. So, but at that point, you were kind of a, 
like right now you're a very boisterous out there kind of girl but as i recall the way your talks back then is you're more of a wallflower back then you're kind oh, of yeah i yeah. was so I'm, I'm trying so to give the people a sense of where you've come from and and we will evolve into what you are now but sort of describe what kind of person you were behind the mechanic stuff oh I just believed that if I showed up mm -hmm. and worked hard every day and didn't ask for anything and just sacrificed and sacrificed and sacrificed, mm -hmm. I would do good things. Right. And so I did. I showed up and I worked hard and I, I you know, I tried not to rock the boat too much and just like I had problems making eye contact with people and there were giant, you meet just such giant personalities mm -hmm. and I would just I was so happy with being a side character in my own life like just <laughs> right. okay I'm I can be the side character that's okay I don't have to be a main character I I'm okay with this like I, I couldn't make eye contact with people I had problems holding large conversations I was so nervous and when somebody would give me directions I just like kind of ball up and yes sir no sir like and it just became so internalized. Mm -hmm. um, but I would I would work because I, I knew I was going to make it work for my mm -hmm. family. Right. So and that was my thing. I would I would show up, I would sacrifice, I would do everything I could, but I couldn't hold conversations and I couldn't make choices and mm -hmm. I couldn't um, force my like I couldn't say no. Saying no was something I could not do. <laughs> I think that's that's been definitely something that's evolved. That's <laughs> evolved, yeah. You're very, you're very clear with your opinions now. <laughs> so, so your leap out of that that was when when you started doing some of the charity work. Yeah. For us, yeah. Yeah, that was that was the biggest point. Actually, it it, uh, it all started with my photo shoot with you. Yeah. And uh, from that point, it uh, just gave me a lot more self confidence and a lot more personal power mm -hmm. to kind of take that on and go. You know, I can I can take this and I can do something. I am worth something. I am beautiful. I am strong. And it kind of launched me into the ability to to take on more challenges. And when you brought up the fact of, hey, would you like to go talk to people? I was like, yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but no, not really. No. <laughs> and you did, because the people love you. Like, you just, when you got deep into it, it was amazing to, to watch you blossom and grow. Well, it's because everything you do is amazing. And, <laughs> Thank you. Um, the, the, the things that people can find in themselves when they come through here mm -hmm. is just, it's incredible because you're tapping into this, um, this locked up, lost soul part of yourself that you need to express in a different way. It's, it's so incredible. Like when I came through, I think I've said very many times that I found out I wasn't actually living in my body. My body was something that things happened to. Too, right. And it was, um, my personality was, I was such a doormat. I was. <laughs> yeah. I still kind of am in some areas. <laughs> now I will fight you. <laughs> I will fight you. <laughs> um, but like I was, I was such a doormat and mm -hmm. I just, you know, okay, shit would happen to me and that would be okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, whereas when you, when I came in, and we started, I, I met you, and I kind of got adopted into this magical world. Um, it became this place where I could tap into the fact that I wasn't living inside my body. I wasn't taking ownership of myself, and I wasn't um, 
I wasn't moving forward as me. Mm -hmm. I was just this zombie entity that was doing whatever it had to do. Yes, mm -hmm. sir. No, sir. And I became more in touch with myself mm -hmm. and prouder of who I was and prouder of what I could do and prouder of this, you know, this body that things had happened to, but it was mine mm -hmm. and I can own it and it's gorgeous and it's powerful and it is just as much, you know, this, this vessel for greatness <laughs> that I never saw before. I always loved looking at other people. I mm -hmm. loved looking at artwork. I loved the, the aspects of that because you know, that's so powerful, it's so beautiful, it's so captivating. And wow, those those people must be so empowered and strong to do that because you become so vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I never thought that that jump would be for me. I had this when we started, when I came in, I, I do you remember our consultation, yeah. the first consultation? Oh, I was yeah. like, so, I'm not going to scar you. We're just going to do covers. We'll do some impressions. Okay, yeah. that'll, that'll be good. And then we got into the studio, mm -hmm. and it was, you know, what, four hours. I was like, oh, I should get some slippers. My toes got a little bit chilly. Like, at no part, like, at no point in there was there vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Was there this, um, this nakedness that actually mm -hmm. happened? Yeah. It just became so comfortable to be myself and the experience of going through the photo shoot allowed me to live within myself mm -hmm. and the, the opportunity to own myself came up and it just, it empowered my life in a way that I, I hadn't done before. So I went back to work and I was no longer this yes man, no man. It was. It became this, no, I will fight you. You're doing something wrong. I don't like it. And it just kind of became this catalyst for, for everything. Change as well. One of my uh, favorite uh, things we had is, I remember you helping us out with the water shoots. Yep. And before we started, the very first one, you told me, no, I, I don't get wet. No, I don't I, do wet. Don't do wet no. with it. And so the shoot's evolving. We have Amanda in. Yep. And Amanda's a, just a stunning-looking woman. She is, and her personality is bigger than, than life. She's, she's she huge. is gorgeous on so many levels. Yeah, like, her personality well. is just So we beautiful. got her stand in the middle of my water set, and we're trying to get the rays to go right, so I get down lower it. So we took the photograph, and you're laying flat out in the water behind her, shooting up. <laughs> I remember you, you, sent, you had me send this photograph to the guys, and of course... So Amanda, I think, was semi-nude in there. And, yeah, and you, you sent it to my phone, 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 and I was sitting at lunch break going... I'm in this photo. <laughs> this is beautiful, proud, beautiful, stunning model in this beautiful pose, and everything about it is powerful. And there's me, like on the on the floor in the water, and we're creating this <laughs> magical effect. And I'm like showing people, I'm like, I'm in this photo. <laughs> they have to stare. You're not in this. Oh, there you are. <laughs> So, as you've kind of evolved, and I know that your kids are really precious to you, and you're trying to, watching you conduct motherhood with them has been fascinating. But what are the, so I'd say, three of your most critical values that that you hold dear and want to pass on to your children that drive you, that people recognize you for? Um, I think the first one is you are of value. Mm -hmm. um, like number one is you are of value. You you have worth. Mm -hmm. You are of unlimited worth. Um, I think that would be the first one. Mm. Now I've got like a long pause. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, people question. will leave us now. <laughs> She's boring. <laughs> I have to go. 
Um, take the risk. Yeah. I think the second one would be take the risk. And I think the third one is that we all have a superpower, and that is the fact that we can see the future. Mm-hmm. Um, that we just have to utilize it to think ahead. Because you can, if you can think three steps ahead mm-hmm. of where you are, you can see what's going to happen, and it is your your honest to goodness superpowers, the ability to think slightly ahead. You have to believe what you see in the, in your future. Like a lot of mm-hmm. people think, yeah, if I want to be famous or I want to be rich or I want to be, I always think these big scales. Well, what does that look like? I don't know. I'd be rich. <laughs> well, and then as you develop, like rich changes as you develop too. Like I want to be, you know, I just want to be loved. I want, I want to be rich. I want this. I want that. Okay, well, what is rich to you? Is it rich emotionally? Mm-hmm. Is it rich, like, I just don't have to worry about my groceries this week? Like, yeah. I know it will be taken care of? Is and it's it's funny because when you start setting those kind of boundaries within yourself, they they start happening. They start working that way. So you're kind of well connected to the universe. <laughs> <laughs> we have these long, interesting conversations. That kind of do you have an inspirational quote that that drives you that you all fall back on? I think I've got two. Okay. Um, and that it's uh, the first one has two parts to mm-hmm. it. And the first one is people make the best decision they can with the information that they have at the time. And now the second half of that is, and their ability to understand the data that they've been given. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of been a driving force for me because I haven't understood how I've gotten to where I am or why people have done the things Mm -hmm. around me. And as I've grown and developed, I'm realizing nobody is malicious. Mm -hmm. There's very, very few people who are acting intentionally to screw someone else over. Mm -hmm. They're just not thinking bigger. Um, That or they're doing the best they can with what they have, with their understanding of the data Mm -hmm. they've been given. They are doing their best with their understanding and their ability to understand that data. Um, but some people, there are two types of people in the world, mm-hmm. people who can extrapolate from incomplete data. Right. And. <laughs> <That's bad. laughs> uh, but, you know, and it's, it's just very interesting to see. And that's, that I think is the, the first one that's mm-hmm. really started to shape my second act, I right. guess, of life. <laughs> okay. And, uh. The second one came from my daughter, um, Amara, the one you're yeah. so fond of. Uh, at about the age of eight, she had come out with these these ten rules to being right. Amara. Yeah. And she had told me that these were the whole rules to being Amara. You had to live by these mm-hmm. rules. And it's been so funny because as we're going through these developmental challenges with her, and mm-hmm. like she's becoming her own person, we're reminding her about the rules of being Amara. <laughs> and it's feeding her. Mm-hmm. Um but I think the the one that stuck out to me the most is my eight-year-old looked at me and said, I'm going to push the big red button, Mom. And I was like, do we have to? We're, like, what is this big red button? And she's like, no, you must always push the big red button because you don't know what's going to happen. And it might be nothing. And it might be something. But if you don't, you're never going to do it. And... <laughs> 
I don't know if that was really the way she phrased it, but there was definitely discussions about pushing the big red button and that it must happen. And, <laughs> and it was my eight-year-old's, like, pinnacle moment to me that, you know, if there's that opportunity, mm-hmm. jump. Like, take it. Push don't don't second-guess yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that that came from my eight-year-old who was... Yeah. I like that 10 rules of who you are. I, I, that's a, that's a, to me, it's a brilliant thing to sit back. I mean, companies have got it like, this is our culture. This is who the, you know, this is who our clients are looking for, all these different things. But it's rare when somebody says, here's the 10 rules of who I am. And then you, you step into these rules like this, this guides you. <laughs> yeah, this, it was fascinating, especially coming from an eight-year-old um, and how that developed her worldview and how it actually developed my worldview. Like it was, you know, she, one of the things was she only ever told me eight of the ten rules because oh, wow. you can only ever tell people so much because people get weird if you give them too much. But. I mean, one of the I love collecting quotes. I've I've got this massive. That's Pinterest is like a quote haven for me, but that's one that often pops up. Is is don't tell them everything. Let them guess and be mysterious. Yeah. You know, you, you evolve into it. I I like that. That is that is so much fun. Has there been? What would be your unique your superpower? What did you see your superpower? Your unique skill? Your talent? Your superpower? My superpower. Okay, so this is actually sounds really weird, but I am, <laughs> as far as my superpowers go, yeah. I think I am, my superpower would be cheerleader. And that yeah. sounds really weird. Um, but I find when I connect with people, I can be a huge motivating force for them. Mm-hmm. And I can be a huge motivating force for myself. And we can all achieve better by demanding better. Mm-hmm. And when you get a group of people together who will cheer for you, who will, like, have your back and mm-hmm. empower you, um, the world changes. And I am an amazing cheerleader. And if I've adopted you into my life, you better be reeling for great fit. You better be ready for greatness because I just want to, like... going to push you up there. Let's go. Let's go. Um, and that's something that's developed over time. Um, my husband would say that my superpower would be perseverance. He said, uh, if I had decided one day, uh, oh goodness, he told me that when we were dating, he (laughs) said it was the one thing he liked about me the most was, um, if I decided one day that I was going to fly, it didn't matter if I couldn't afford to get on the airplane and it didn't matter if I couldn't get the license and Mm -hmm. it didn't matter what got in the way. But if I had decided I was going to fly one day, I would bite the wing of an airplane, and I would fly Fly. to wherever I was going. And he said he he could just see me holding on by my teeth, and it didn't matter because I was going to get there, (laughs) and I was going to do it. I remember there's Ivan Eisner from uh, B&I, and he says, I'm not, you get in a room of people, he says, I'm not the brightest guy, I'm not the most talented guy, I am the most persistent guy, and I will win. (laughs) That's just it. Once you've made up your mind. Yeah, there's a, it's like the brain locks in and says, okay, this is a real thing. First, the brain doesn't like whatever idea you have. I've noticed that. They come up with that idea. The brain goes, no, that sounds like work to me. That sounds like taking a position. Let's, let's go watch more TV. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like, let's, let's avoid that. And then once it's clear of the brain, the brain goes, I'm in, I guess. <laughs> Not much of a choice. I love that. That is wild. That is wild. What has given you your biggest adrenaline rush? 
Oh, goodness. Mark, there's been so many. <laughs> well, um, give, me, give me your top number then. The ones my that, top number. Yeah, the ones that you go, that first pop in your brain without deep thinking. Just Without deep thinking. Okay, yeah. so my first, my biggest one would actually have been coming from my photo session. Right. That would have been number one. Uh, number two would have been flying with rainbow balloons. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, that so would rainbow been... balloons, you don't know. My parents were hotter balloonists. My, my, once my mom learned how to fly, that was it. And my dad was his backup for it. And so... That was at one point they had the largest balloon company in in um, Canada in the early days. They were huge. Oh, it was amazing. Um, yeah, so I think number two would be flying um, because I'd, I'd had this fear of heights. Right. I was always afraid. Um, I had uh, when I'd met my husband. I was dating a, a, his best friend, mm -hmm. and <laughs> I fell off a thirty foot sandstone wall. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I fell off this cliff cliff face and I fractured my, I compound fractured and destroyed the cartilage between my third, fourth and fifth uh, lumbar vertebrae. And um, since then I hadn't gotten up. I hadn't, I hadn't made that choice. And then going up in the balloon was just this amazing I don't like on the day. It was just, it was, and it's so like mellow and cleansing and it starts incredible. off so chaotic. Like, yeah. like it, it's almost like, like I guess I haven't thought of it this way before, but the way ballooning works is, is you arrive in the calmness of the morning. So it's the calmness before everything's being laid out. It's very quiet, very laid back, very slow. Then the 40-foot flame and fans start to ignite this big thing. And there's, if there's other balloonists and the wind picks up, it starts to get pretty frantic and there's this last-minute rush happens. And then all of a sudden you're like, you're popped, you're launched. And then it goes quiet again. Well, and coming up, it's so there's this moment as you're getting up there, yeah. where as you as you come up, it's like it, you get that feeling like you've you've gone up in an elevator too fast, almost like your stomach comes up a bit, yeah. and you come up and you're just like, <gasps> and then you're you're on the same line as the horizon, like yeah. you can see it all, and it and it's like yeah. it, it's. It's like making the scary choices at work. It's it's like making those those scary choices yep. in your life. Even you just suddenly you, you get this like oh my god we're getting whoa, whoa. and then you get up there and it's just this moment this intake of breath yep. this intake of life into yourself yep. and everything and you just and it's calm and then you get the warmth from the from the flame Flames. behind you yep. and then the next chaos is the landing oh, yeah. and that's just. Oh it's goodness. adrenaline filled. I, yeah. We had one time when my mom landed the a balloon, and so what happens if it's a bit windy, just for our audience, is the balloon's moving along, and and then all of a sudden it makes contact with the ground, and you're going out, and how fast you're going, but you're all in this tiny balloon brace for impact, and you bounce along for a while, and then it's it's done. Like it's it's very abrupt. It's it's safer than it looks. Like once you're inside the thing, that you know we we're really good. <laughs> my mom landed one time in a in a field that had a Texas bull in it. So the extracting the balloon was almost as exciting as the landing. It's <laughs> long or balloon. It was, it was really wild. So your third one. Oh, my third one. Um, ooh. I would say the f when you had me public speak. <laughs> I'm seeing a trend here, Mark. <laughs> I'm the core of your life. <laughs> you're, you're, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just so entrenched here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would say the, the, the first time you really had me public speak, mm -hmm. and um, I hadn't really prepared. It was just supposed to be a quick intro. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to do a quick intro to this large group of women, 
And uh, you'd ask me, you're like, is it okay if I, I put up your photo? Is that, like, we had discussed yeah. it beforehand. I was okay. I didn't have an idea of what photo was going to go up. And um, I got up there and I thought I was going to die. Like, I thought I that was it. Like, I seriously thought, you know, okay, I can just curl up and die now. I can't, I cannot do this anymore. Um, and I stood up there and I struggled to just get the greeting out. And one of the ladies in the front row just went, and she gasped, and she looked at me, and there was this terrified look in her eyes, and I turned around, and I had a full, you had a full nude Mm -hmm. of me up on the the screen, and I was like, all right, well, there we go. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Emily Subkowitz. These are my naked photos. (laughs) It gets no more revealing than that. Let's go. And it just... It was just this cool moment. Her hair broke your eyes. <laughs> yeah. It was just this, it was this moment of, well, how exposed am I mm-hmm. right now? Yeah. Like, how dangerous is this? And it wasn't at all. It was the safest environment I could have been in. In fact, here's the proof. Here's my naked photo. I am fully naked. Here we go. Let's go. And it was, it was really cool. Um, I think besides that, it would be meeting my husband and mm-hmm. having kids and um, some of the there's some little ones in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've done some skydiving. I've done a bunch of yeah. stuff in there that were really big adrenaline moments. Um, recently, like they're but they're all decisions that bring us someplace. Right? Yeah. They're all they're all these little these little explosions of fuel. Like the red button. Yeah, <laughs> and they, they get you somewhere, yeah. right? And so, yeah. and it seems like um, in the last. I think we're almost 12 years now, I think. I think, yeah. Yeah. In the last 12 years, all of these big red button moments Mm. have come since since I've made the choice to embrace myself. Since I've made the choice to, like, get out there. Like, I I chose to change careers. Mm. I chose to pursue greatness. I chose to lead. I chose to... um, to to empower my daughters to think differently. I, I choose to dissect things when we're given them and, and ask why now and and to pursue that. And it's um and it's really been since the choice of I'm doing this and I'm gonna accept who I am and I'm gonna move forward. That's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. I, I like the story about your um the public speaking thing because the the change in the audience was profound. Like, it was. It was. You know, they grew up like, "Who's this girl? What's she gonna say?" And also, it's like the confidence, and it, you blew them away. Like you became, you could see people going, "I want to be like her. I want to be like her. I, I want that brass part of the world." Well, it just it. There was no fear anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the worst thing that's gonna happen to me? Are they all gonna see me naked? Well, you know what? Here <laughs> I am, and bring it on. Let's yeah, go. Let's dance. <laughs> the, whole, the whole portion of it. What would be a perfect day for you? If you woke up one day and the world goes, we're going to give you your perfect day, what would it look like? Hmm. Um, so for me, it sounds terrible, but my perfect day starts with the giantest shot of adrenaline of the fact that I'm probably late for something. <laughs> okay. um, and it sounds terrible. It sounds terrible because you wake up in a panic, but... Um, for me, my perfect day starts that way mm-hmm. because I know I have these adventures, like right. this adventure is waiting for me. So my ideal day would be to 
wake up from um, hiking into a campsite in the backcountry mm-hmm. in right. the middle of nowhere um, and be just ready to go and have that like that that catalyst of energy where you're just yes it's ready um, and you pack everything up as fast as you can and you go and you just you move through nature. You, mm-hmm. You're enjoying it. You're embracing it. You're becoming one with it. And you just kind of keep moving through it. And you get someplace. Um, so like my most ideal day, that would, that would totally be it. It'd be waking up in the mountains and packing up your tent and doing that hike and arriving at your next destination. Um, that, that is my most ideal. Um, it doesn't happen often, but man, it's fun when it does. <laughs> <laughs> just up and go. Yeah. I keep on thinking back of this giant red button. It just. <laughs> I'm gonna. I've, I've got a. Uh, back in the day when she told me mm-hmm. them, I made a meme. So I took a picture of my kids. Yeah. And I had imposed it in green text on it. So I'll send it to you at the oh, end please. of this. That would be and, so much fun. Because I don't even. I, I don't even remember them all right off the top of my mm-hmm. head right now. But it was just. It was incredible, and it really, yeah, these kids are pretty amazing. <laughs> they are. They're. But you're, and you've got a slight bent in life, like it's like your preoccupation with zombies and and. Uh, oh, I am a dark little critter. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I like the uh, I find beauty in the darkness. The the more <laughs> twisted and the darker sense of it all, it's um, so powerful, mm-hmm. and it's because it's what we fear, um, right. and. Where I came from, mm-hmm. everything was kind of crouched in fear. Right. Um, grew up with the the concept that there's a life after death, right? Mm-hmm. But you you're only getting there if you're good. Right. Like you have to be so pure, and you have to, you know, you only have worth if you're specifically pure, and you have to be so good. But that is such a narrow band. Mm-hmm. To me, all of these things that creep out in the darkness just seemed so much more interesting <laughs> than this random band of shiny bright light. Like, why right. would you want to be in the light mm-hmm. when darkness is 99.9% of everything else? Right. And where does that take you? Like, what, what is there, right? Like, we, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to remember the quote, but when I was a kid, I heard the quote of we stopped looking under our beds when we realized the monsters were living in our heads or something <laughs> That's like powerful, that. powerful, yeah. Um, and that was, that was just it. Like, I, I was so scared of not being perfect because mm-hmm. of the implications that it would have on my, my physical being at that very, very moment. And then eventually, in the broader scheme of things, on my... Uh, my emotional well-being, mm-hmm. my my soul, my eternal right. soul, you know, um, and how how that would all play out. That I became so fascinated with what else was there, right? Like it's these the horror genre. It's it's Friday the Thirteenth today. I know it is amazing. Yeah, every seven years of my anniversary falls on Friday the Thirteenth. It's just. It's, it's it's been a fun. It's so powerful. Well, my photography actually starts in the dark, like. The in photography we reveal what we want from a dark blank image. Like we start with a dark room and we add light to it and we shape what we wish or we, we find light that's there. But it's it's always starts photography always starts in the dark. It's it starts with a, a completely black 
option and then you introduce light to it and the light shapes the message shapes the character shapes the story all those things that comes up well, and the cool thing of that is is you control what you reveal and what you don't you can control the impression that's left and it's it's just such an amazing thing like much more complex well, I, I remember for was one of the conventions the kids came at and they hit our studio and um, Amar had taken the uh, I can't even pronounce the creature's name. It, it essentially was the monster that lives in the rice walls of the. That steals your eyes. Yeah, steals yeah. the eyes. And it was, it was, and then and you started with like five in the morning with makeup or something for all the kids. We had six kids that came in with it, and we've since entered that photographing contest. The thing that was so much fun is that you had, uh, she had contact lenses. Yeah, she had the. Contact. And the makeup because it was watering started to tear and just drew down, and that just gave it more dangerous, it was like a sad look. Well, and you did some amazing things with it. Like the the look and the feel of that photograph is very much what she was looking for. She yeah. was looking to be this powerful, immensely dark presence, right? <laughs> that the concept of something that steals your eyes, it steals your ability to perceive, it steals your your ability to interact on that level mm -hmm. with your with your environment. That's that's Wow, it's so creepy. I love it. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. <laughs> I, I love you. this bouncy, friendly person, and then it's like this dark stuff. It's so cool. There's a knife involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, a lot of the things that my little mousy personality. I in junior high, the mm -hmm. girls used to call me mouse, right? Because I'd pull my mousy brown hair mm -hmm. all in front of my face and like hide underneath the um, library table mm -hmm. and just read books. And I barely ever spoke. And so they used to call me mouse. Right. And I was so, oh my gosh, that was, oh, what a terrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful place to have come from. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I found, um, because I was so mousy and mm -hmm. because I had been so downtrodden and so kind of beaten down into this this frame of thinking um, was I found the darkness had power mm -hmm. because the darkness was what was scary to other people. Okay. And so you start looking into things like you get into the horror genre. Like mm -hmm. um, I am one of the biggest fans of H.P. Lovecraft and okay. like classic horror yeah. kind of thing. And the thing with H.P. Lovecraft is nobody gets out. Nobody gets out unscathed. You think somebody is uh, is going to be okay, and their brain breaks in some very unusual way, and now they become a cannibal. And um, it's it's about these these people who are every day, mm -hmm. but they they break in a way internally and kind of they lose themselves to their animalistics mm -hmm. or they, they realize that they are the monster. They are part of this, this terrible secret or this terrible secret is going to consume them mm -hmm. and it breaks the psyche in some way or other. And that, you know, spirals them into their, into the, into madness and what <laughs> happens when we spiral, right? Into madness. Yeah. Into madness. And it is just fascinating because you get the characters who choose to be evil or you get mm -hmm. the characters who choose to embrace that and then use it to get where they're going. Or you get the, what would have been your stereotypical good guys. Then they, they break, mm -hmm. you know, they, they've made the, they can't deal with it and they break mm -hmm. and, um, coming from kind of, the choice of not breaking, 
you know, so where does that leave you? What, do, what are you left with when you mm -hmm. choose not to break when you're given every opportunity to? Really um, into, yeah. Yeah, so you, you're now choosing not to break. So you need to either embrace this new madness, mm -hmm. this broken brain, this... Um, so I am bipolar. Right. Um, and I was diagnosed bipolar at age 12. Okay. And since then, I've, I've done what I, I consider, I call myself, like, the pokey master of mental illness. Um, I went out So and, describe what bipolar is, because most people sort of grasp it, but a lot of people don't. Um, bipolar is kind of crippling depression mixed with massive mania. So it is a swing. Mm -hmm. And you lose your perception of so much. Mm -hmm. Um when you're down, you can't see up. And when you're up, you can't see down. And it's kind of like riding this incredible roller coaster from start to finish. When you are down, you, you can't believe you've made the choices you have. Mm -hmm. And when you're up, nothing's going to stop you. You are invincible. So mm -hmm. it's why, why, would any, why would you ever second guess yourself? And then you hit the bottom of that high. <laughs> um, so you don't sleep on, when, on the highs. And then your depression sleep on the lows. And... Um, and it can go into manias, and it can go into um, some really dark places. Mm -hmm. um, so the lows, they mirror your highs. So right. the higher your high, the lower your low. So okay. you go from the depths of despair to I'm Superman to In the between. depths of despair. Okay, so I get that. So go back to your story. Um, so I was, I've got this kind of this this roller coaster mm -hmm. that goes on emotionally that I don't control and when you're manic you don't know you're manic and when you're depressed you don't really realize you're depressed until right. somebody's like dude don't kill yourself <laughs> okay um so I've got a broken brain mm -hmm. I've already I've already like my I'm broke I was broken at 12 right right like I I was already lost mm -hmm. at that point and with the uh the background factors that were terrifying to me there were things that i couldn't control there were things that i couldn't deal with there were things so and then i had this broken brain so i'm already immersed in madness mm -hmm. and then i had to make the choice to use it as a catalyst or or to die, right? Mm -hmm. Like to, to either go mad or to move in some direction, right? So okay. It's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. And you're really well read. I could, one of the joys when we have our conversations is they follow the map. Just, <laughs> we, we, we'll be talking about the, uh, the, the brain waves and, and the mechanical and chemical versions of it down to philosophies of aliens. <laughs> oh, down to stoic philosophies yes. to... Uh, um, everything comes back to aliens. It's my favorite thing. We'll, we, we will eventually get to space. <laughs> yeah. um, and the reptilians. And we, we will take <laughs> anything. Buttons. We will take it all. Cryptids, we will do it. <laughs> it's why well, well, just reading they've discovered the, uh, I think it's still microbes, but th th there's this, everyone sort of thought we can only exist on this planet if you can breathe air and, you know, the whole, our, what makes us, right? They're down there discovering there's these life forms that ex they eat sulfur they live in, in heat that is, is beyond comprehension and, and pressure that's beyond comprehension. They're quite content. They're, they're flourishing and growing. So so it's an interesting universe. It's a fascinating universe. They've, um, 
the uh, the water bears. I'm I'm forgetting what their actual mm-hmm. scientific name is. They're they're now on the moon, I guess, yes. because we yeah. we had the one mm-hmm. uh, the one lander crash, yeah. and they we now have microbes on the moon, and, and I guess we're going to find out if they can survive there, and because they were they were live, they worked right. in their um, hibernation state. So it'll be interesting to see what develops but i mean in the the most adverse conditions mm-hmm. in life we get the most beautiful crazy things out of it right yeah. the more the more adverse the more pressures the more that's kind of what it is is that the, life seems to thrive with the most pressure like that's when you know i guess diamonds from coal kind of thing is, is that you don't really evolve until you're under pressure and then to come out of that. They find, um, so if you've got, if you're growing food in a bubble, mm-hmm. okay, they find that the plants don't thrive mm-hmm. as much. They're not str- as strong as you think they would be. They're not, um, they're not developing the way you think they would be mm-hmm. because there's no wind to blow them. There's no adversity for them. Right. And so you get, heard that. you get healthier food mm-hmm. with more nutrients, with that's stronger, that's more resilient, that's mm-hmm. more adapted to its environment when it's got adversity. And I mean, it's, it's like, um, humans discovered spice and then mm-hmm. went and took over when committed mass genocide for spice, like and <laughs> when took over the world, um, and then decided not to use it and have their food. Um, but, like we have, we have pursued spice, mm-hmm. right? Capsin. Um, capsin is a self-defense mechanism for plants. Right. So nothing else eats it, and it capsin adheres to the the neuroreceptors that say you're on fire. Right. In your body, so it's it it latches onto these pieces of you that are meant to keep you safe. Right. From burning, and we eat it for fun, <laughs> like. Yeah, we don't make a lot of sense sometimes, do we? No, it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's our fire eating. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would be your biggest dream? What when you sit back and you feel like if we're sitting down here ten years from now, what would you say? That's what I did. Oh, I have a little bit of tunnel vision right this second. Okay. My biggest dream is that my children make it the next ten years. <laughs> okay. uh, Fourteen and sixteen is um interesting ages they like i wanted boys i was told i was gonna have boys i was prepped for boys i got girls they were princesses uh you know it's 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 like this whole dynamic of they found exactly where i was weak and decided that that was the pressure point they needed to to poke on so um it's like at 14 and 16 they they have sat down and conferenced and decided exactly what mom did not want to deal with Mm -hmm. And um, all of these things that mom thought she had put all of the, I built these walls and I was going to keep them safe and everything was going to be good. And I went neurotic and took all this training and was just going to, like, I was protecting these little bubble children for, from everything. And that was what was going to happen. And now um, they have, you know, decided to do absolutely everything that I was really hoping to protect them from <laughs> and to save them and not have them go through that. And, you know, and, and now how do we deal with, um, and, and, you know, not by choice, not by just yeah. kinetically the universe was like, hey, guess what? <laughs> We're going to do that for you. <laughs> um, so for right now, I, I, want, I really want to see them live the next two years and live yeah. passionately for the next ten years and develop into 
people who can extrapolate from incomplete data. Mm -hmm. Like it's, that's, that's kind of the focus right now. Um, and the second is I want a guru for somebody. I want to be able to do something similar to what you've done for me. Um, I, I say it all the time is, is your, your family to me. Like I just, you are my mentor. I, I, very much appreciate your thought processes mm-hmm. and everything we can talk about and I just find you so fa- so fascinating and I love Jan and your family and just <laughs> oh my goodness but to to be able to do that for a group of other people mm-hmm. um currently I'm in the works of developing something on my own here and it's, that's exciting it'll we'll see where it lands in 10 years I don't want to say too much but We'll see where it goes. It'll evolve. It'll evolve. (laughs) Well, thank you for your time today. It was fascinating, which is what's supposed to be. (laughs) Thank you, Mark. You're amazing. Thank you so much. That is cool. I will have some... Oh, I should probably mention, you're one of the subjects in our Revealing Revelations book we did. Yes, yes. So uh, we'll we'll put this link on the the site, but there's a book uh, we had done it was uh, called revelations and it's got six women in it and kind of their stories and and their challenges and how they've overcome them and kind of grown with them and and you're in there with photographs yes <laughs> <laughs> so everyone can see my name so, it's, it's uh, we, we, we got them demure friends got in she's giving everybody uh, skimpy clothing to keep it down so but. anyways thank you it's been great thank you this has been fascinating women with mark Laurie. Join us on our website and subscribe at fascinatingwomen.ca. Fascinating Women has been sponsored by Inner Spirit Photography of Calgary, Alberta and is produced in Calgary by Lee Ellis and My Office Media.